And I'm like, what could this possibly be other than here are all the songs in pop music that you like. Why do you like them? I guess it's asking that question. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm Kyle Hawk, host of this podcast, editor-in-chief at It's All Dead. Dot com. We are happy to have you back. This has been, the, you know, I always talk on the show about like, you know, we'll, we'll stay on track for a while of like getting the show out regularly and um, just doing the podcast well, and then we'll fall off. This has been like the easiest it's ever been to stay on track with doing this podcast because <laughs> I, there's literally no excuse uh, to not record a podcast. And um, we have been doing that and i hope you've been enjoying some of the shows that uh we've been putting out i promised on the last show that our next episode was going to be about the new childish gambino album it's been that album's been out for several weeks now we haven't talked about it on the site i do have a lot of thoughts about it though i just wanted to do it uh in the form of a podcast so that's that's what this show is um and i for the for the guest for the show i welcomed in somebody that um kind of you know experienced Donald Glover as a as an artist and uh, an actor and a musician kind of in real time with me. I feel like we both kind of came into his work around the same time, just uh, watching the, the show Community. And obviously our, our interest in Donald Glover have, have grown from there. And we've had a lot of conversations about Childish Gambino, his uh, music alter ego throughout the years. And I thought, you know, we should do this on a podcast. So uh, you've heard him on the show before. He is a great friend and a fantastic guest of It's All Dead. It is Richard Clark. Hey, good to be here. As someone whose regular podcast has completely fallen off since the coronavirus, mm. I would say there is an excuse not to do your podcast right oh, now. Man. Uh, it's called Depression. I feel like depression is a great excuse not to do a podcast. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah. I, uh, I think for me, it's been, it's been a, it can go one of two ways, right? There's no like right or wrong way that for me, it's been kind of an escape to get my head yeah. um, out of the bad stuff and into some better stuff. And yep. and we are going to talk about what's going on on the show. I mean, that's kind of, I figure that's probably going to be a part of the conversation for each show we do for the foreseeable future, just because it, it's like unavoidable. And we mm-hmm. are trying to uh, talk about music in a way that is applicable to what we're all going through right now. At least that's kind of where we've been trying to take it's all dead over the <clears throat> the past month or so here. And really, I, I think that what we're going to talk about today, this new Childish Gambino album, 31520, I guess that's how that's how I'm going to say it. Um, but it, <laughs> I've got some thoughts. 1,300 tr- and... Yeah. <laughs> um, 13,000? Anyway, whatever. Yeah. I, I think that this this album uh, has... There's an interesting conversation to be had about what works or, or doesn't work um, with kind of the, the place we're in right now. But all that being said, um, I'm glad you're back on the show and obviously this has been sort of a weird time for everybody like how are you how are you holding up how are you doing right now uh it it depends on the day and the hour time of day that you ask me yeah uh drastic peaks and valleys right so Mm -hmm. some people aren't able to work right now i am like super able to work and probably need to more than usual so i'm like working like crazy and then 
uh, I just kind of like pass out at the end of the day. I've got two small kids at home who are Mm -hmm. uh, handling it well compared to what I'm I'm assuming other kids are dealing with. Um, But still, it's challenging. You know, it's just so hard. It's just exhausting. Um, But I, I will say, so yeah, I have crazy mood swings. I have really good days and then really bad days. I am enjoying not being invited to things quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's honestly like that part I am, I am loving. Um, yeah. And so I think I'm handling it better than a lot of people for sure. Well, that's good. Um, and of course you couldn't avoid being invited onto this podcast. So I'm glad that's that, true. Um, Never. Yeah. Glad you're willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, this conversation a little bit later in the show. And we talk about this album and, and music in general during this weird period that we're in. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. You know, you've been on the show before people listen to the show. They know that you and I go back, um, quite a ways at this point. And, you know, one of the early things that we used to bond over, um, is NBC's Thursday night comedy lineup, which at the time, back when we were kind of first meeting and hanging out was pretty dang stacked. Like Mm -hmm. the office was sort of the flagship comedy show on NBC at the time. Um, but they had several new shows rolling out. Um, 30 rock was on the air, but then right at, as the time we were getting to know each other, parks and recreation hit community hit. And so we had these shows that we would kind of like watch together and, and talk about, I'm, Take me back to kind of your introduction to Donald Glover, because I, I'm trying to remember, I know we talked about community a lot and Troy early on was like really one of my favorite parts, um, of community. That's, um, Donald Glover's character. And I, I was so fascinated by, um, his acting that I started getting into all these other things we were doing. But what, what were some of your first impressions of Donald Glover back then? I mean, one of the trends in our relationship is I, don't remember anything <laughs> and you remind <laughs> me of of things that i thought and said back in the day so y- you'll probably have a better answer to that than i will on off the top of my head i feel like you know his role in that show is pretty one note it's um like a happy go lucky kid who's friends with op-ed and um part of the gang <laughs> I haven't watched <laughs> community in so long so it's hard to even really know but he's definitely i mean he's you know he's in the same category as like chris pratt in parks and rec back in the day where it's like i guess this is an actor in a show and that's kind of it you know well the it's interesting you bring up the chris pratt thing because at that point if we had been asked to think about what chris pratt's career and and Donald Glover's career would both look like 10 years from that point. We wouldn't have predicted either of their trajectories in different ways. They 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 definitely have not had a similar trajectory, but they both had a really unexpected one. And Donald Glover has really transformed into like one of the most powerful artistic forces that we have right now. Yeah. Um, When you think about what he's been able to do as a musician, when you think about Atlanta and I mean, literally one of the best, best shows of the last decade um, Mm -hmm. to, to come out and just like him as like a multimedia sort of personality. When you think about, uh, you know, two years ago, we talked about this is America and how much of an experience that was as a multimedia piece, as opposed to just being some single that came out that you listen to on Spotify, his, his ability to craft things that 
are, I feel like, so much more poignant and fascinating and important than many of his peers um, has been a really unexpected delight. And uh, his music has been a big, big part of that for me. I know I I do remember, again, you probably won't remember this, but I remember us listening to um, Childish Gambino's album Camp um, in my car. We were driving to go get dinner or something when we were both living in Louisville and I was (laughs) playing it and we were kind of commenting on it. It's such a juvenile um, album in hindsight, but it it was... (laughs) It was an insight, I think, into Donald Glover at that time and mm-hmm. him trying to figure out how to toe the line between what people, who people thought he was and who he actually was. It's really fascinating to, to think about and look back on now. But since then, he's released um, several other albums. I mean, because the internet awakened my love. Am I saying that right? Or, that sounds right. But um, obviously, has you know several albums under his belt now and now this new one when, and I know you've listened to his music a lot over the years. When you think about like the best childish Gambino album, which one is that to you? I really like because of the internet quite a bit. Um, partially just because of my like interest, right? Like I, I'm an mm-hmm. internet person <laughs> and I think about technology and its role in culture a lot. And I think that, that album came out at a time when people weren't all that tuned into the way that uh, online culture was affecting us. And so there is something about Childish Gambino where his albums in general seem one or two years ahead of the conversation in a way that that I was I was really impressed by and noticed in particular in that album. I don't know if you agree with that, but well, because the internet is my favorite album of his as well. I included uh-huh. it uh, last year on our best albums of the decade list. I was super passionate about it when it came out. Um, I still go back to it, but not as much because I do need to listen to that album in its entirety. And it's a yeah. lot. Um, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, it's thematically created in such a way that there's a very clear narrative that runs through it. And to listen to it at the time, I thought was so fascinating because just to your point, it always seems like he's just a little bit ahead of everybody in terms of the conversation. And what was so frustrating at the time is that critically, uh, there were a lot of different people obviously writing about that album. I I remember um, sharing a, and I saw this pop up on uh, time hop at at the end of last year. Um, But Steve Hyden, I think had written something about it and was basically being like, we get it. You know, the internet is all these different problems. We don't really need someone to draw attention to it, but it was kind of like, yeah, but if we all agree that something is a problem or that our use of something is a problem or our understanding of something is a problem, then like, why should we not tell somebody to like dig into that a little bit, which is exactly. And and it was maybe a year later when serious people started having serious conversations about no, but seriously, we got to get this under control because like Facebook and Twitter are destroying our lives. Like that was a real conversation that started up literally like a year at least after that album came out, it felt like to me. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from that album that I always think about is there's a, a track, I think it's called Oakland, and he's having a conversation with, you know, in the context of a relationship where he says, everything you don't say, you tweet it. And it seemed like so kind of <laughs> on the nose in the moment. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. you think about like, you know, I don't know, even last, you know, two years ago, like Drake, um, 
was, you know, everybody's referencing like the way people are like processing their conversations and relationships through like Instagram or whatever. And it's like, that's crazy. Like in 2013, that something that made people roll their eyes actually became a, a larger narrative and just the pop culture conversation even after the fact. So, um, he, he definitely has a way of, of tapping into things. So, We've just said some good things about a Childish Gambino album, and, and and because the internet is my favorite album of his. Actually, my favorite songs are uh, two summers ago when he released the Summer Pack, uh, Feels Like Summer, and mm. Summertime Magic. I really love mm-hmm. those songs. Um, I've spent Weirdly a lot of time. Feels like what, was it weird to you that Feels Like Summer is part of this new album? Yep, it does, yeah. and I am okay. going to get into that. And I, okay. <laughs> I've spent you know I've spent a lot of time listening to this new album. And I've been thinking a lot. I, I went, I've gone back to camp. Um, I even went back to like his his old EP that um, came out before the debut. Um, I've thought about Awaken My Love. I've thought about a lot um, yeah. related to his music. And I want to yeah. ask this. And I, for everybody listening, don't don't turn off the the podcast immediately. I just I'm so excited <laughs> <be> out here. <laughs> Are we sure that Donald Glover is good at making music? I, and I'm asking that out in the open, but also I want you to answer it, Rich. Donald Glover is incredible. He's an amazing actor. He's able to write incredible things and create amazing shows and do all the stuff. Are we sure that he's good at music? Yeah, uh, just not maybe not consistently. He's definitely the least consistent, one of the least consistent artists I've seen in terms of albums. Like I and. I don't know if I'm getting ahead or not. I don't know. You want me to get, defend my answer a little bit? Do it. I feel like Donald Glover gets in his own head um, and goes down a path and, and is not really, like, checked or by, by anyone. Like, I don't know what he's doing in this album, and that's pretty standard um, in general. And because the internet is kind of like a great example of when that goes really right. Right. Cause no one was saying that stuff. People were rolling their eyes, but it's undeniably a great album that resonated with a lot of people with this. album, I feel like he had something in mind that I could only guess at. And, um, but without being able to figure it out or guess at it, I kind of feel like I'm just like listening to some phoned in mixtape thing, mm. um, or him trying stuff and even worse, like, This Is America is a just, uh, <laughs> it's a really well-crafted song. It's really impressive, but reads to me as sort of a cynical play at something. Um, and and I, I just don't know what he's, I just, like, haven't been able to figure him out. And I'll be honest and say, I... I was sort of like rocked by this profile that came out around the time of this is America. Do you remember this thing? I'm trying to remember where it was, but I remember Rembert Brown did a piece on him. Um, that might've been it. It was where he sort of talks about, he makes trap music because like it sells well. And you know, it, it, it he sort of came a lot across as this cynical calculated artist. And ever since then, like, without anything else to hold on to, it's been impossible for me to think about anything else. I sort of read everything through that lens. I think 
there are some good songs on this new album. I think he is a good artist. I think he writes music for himself in a bad way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's... Um, I think he's light years ahead of all of us. Or or in if not ahead of us, he's just in a different place than us. Um, and, and as a result, like we're just not, there's not a connection point. That is, uh, that's really well articulated. And so the answer to the question, yes, Donald Glover is good at music. That was kind of baiting, but (laughs) I, I'm interested because I don't really, I'm, I'm with you. I don't get this album and, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but to your point, he's really one of the most coy artists of our time. Um, thank you for saying coy because that is the word. That's it. Yeah. And and we've always had that. Like music has always had that and needs mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just happens to exist in a time in a particular genre in which it feels really out of place. And so that's I think that's what makes us scratch our heads and and kind of wonder and try to get to the bottom of things. Because the the fact of the matter is when he does want us to know what he's talking about. It, it really isn't hard to figure out. This is America is a great example of that. Yeah, like if you, yeah. if you want to sit with it and if you want to understand what he's saying, he's not going to keep you from that. Um, you can see that because of the internet, you can see it in Awaken My Love, an album that I didn't really understand. I mean, the, the first few times I, and I wrote the review of it, like after I'd kind of, um, came to a better place with it. But I, you know, I'm not qualified to talk about like soul and funk music, but when I, heard the stories of like how this is the music that his father shared with him. And now him as a father thinking about like, what does he pass down to, to his uh, kid and like how mm-hmm. this album came out of that. I mean, I was so touched by it. I was like, I, I don't even need to understand as much of this other than like just that. So like he, he clearly, um, you know, is as coy as he can be also can be pretty transparent about what exactly it is that he's trying to say. Now, the problem with that in this album is I mean, the way it rolled out, the way it appeared, the fact that there wasn't really much said about it from him, the fact that the track list is just like timestamps. Um, th- th- there's just so little for us to grab on and grab a hold of yeah. um, that it makes it feel kind of cold and distant. And so I, I want to talk about that a little bit because I do enjoy this album i mean it's not like a bad album it doesn't suck and and certainly like i mean it's definitely the nicest review pitchfork has given one of his albums so far so it's not interesting this album isn't a disaster by any means but man is it hard to like know what to do with or even Mm -hmm. what to pull from it um so let's go back to the rollout it kind of like all of a sudden one day it was like hey if you go to donaldglover.com there's music streaming and it's this (laughs) album and then it disappeared the next day and then it kind of showed up on spotify a day or two after that but it was weird because it's like there's no artwork and there's only two song titles and one of the songs that's on it is a song that's been released before but now it's not called that anymore it's called 42.26 or whatever like, <laughs> the whole thing just felt it, i mean in a way i could be like oh this seems like a very like donald glover thing to do but also like i kind of wish you hadn't done this because it just it just doesn't it just feels off i don't yeah. know what what was your experience of kind of like as it was happening you know i mean i just pragmatically i was like oh they screwed up the spotify listing <laughs> or something you know what i mean like i was yeah. very confused at first until i started doing 
a little bit of research into it. And then you kind of start, I mean, there's something to the, the, the first few songs, this sort of robotic, we are, we are, and then the algorithm mm-hmm. title, it, it kind of causes you to read it as, you know, unfortunately to me, the only like plausible takeaway I got from it was this is sort of a concept album about cynical pop art or something like hmm. it it felt to me like he was writing sort of the standard pop songs uh for the moment and um i i'm not interested in that like it, maybe that's interesting to me but i kind of like after spending some time with this this is america and feeling a little bit like that even that was a little bit of a cynical play not quite a money grab but like uh this is america felt like a very trendy like i'm gonna do that but like as masterfully as anyone has ever done it Hmm. that's great i love that but also if the emphasis is on the second part then to me i i respect the first part a little less does that make sense so if he wants to be known for making the best protest song he still wants to be known for making the best, and that's the point, as opposed to being uh, effective at protesting, right? Um, yeah. And t- to me, that hurts the song fundamentally. And so to me, like it's, it's almost like he drove that to the nth degree, that sort of like um, cynicism to the, to the nth degree with this album where he's sort of doing – he's sort of playing a joke on us or something where it's like – if you were to put in the right numbers of what's everyone looking for out of music and plug it in to a computer, this is what would come out. It's kind of both how it sounds and how it um, seems. <laughs> like yeah. It feels like it's both what it is and also what it intends to be. And I, uh, I don't really respect – well, I don't know, respect strong. I'm being really m- way more negative than I intend to be. But I don't really love either of those things um, sure. in an album. Well, this is a good time to explain, you know, when you asked how I felt about Feels Like Summer, a song that I mentioned as being one of my favorites of his showing up on this album. Here's the reason I wasn't a fan of it, and not because I'd already heard it and it felt lazy to put it on there, but it yeah. was intentional that it was put on there. Just like you, you were talking about with, like, you know, what he's saying here, because on its own you know, two summers ago, feels like summer feels like this very introspective uh, summertime song that's almost yep. kind of philosophical in the way that you kind of think about your existence, even in, in the midst of like a beautiful time of year. But when put into the context of this album, lines like men who want machines that want what they decide take on a completely different new meaning. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it's, yeah. he, it's grafted perfectly into like what, this album is, but that's not what I loved about that song. And so um, I, I think the the issues you're sharing is like exactly what what my trouble with is it is, and uh, and and that song in particular, why it now like feels completely different in a way that I don't like as much. And maybe that's maybe that's the point too, right? Because like that yeah, that can I'm totally sure be what's yeah. happening here. Um, but yeah, I, at least just, I hope but that it doesn't is. Like, mean we're talking, that we're talking best case scenario, right? Like. <laughs> yeah (laughs) the best case scenario is he meant to do that um and the worst case is that it was just like accidental yeah 
Well, I want to run a, an idea past you here. Um, because so something I was looking at, um, as I was prepping for this, if you go to Metacritic, um, and you know, I mentioned the, the pitchfork thing, you know, his, his music, like, you know, because the internet was nominated for a Grammy, but that album wasn't critically reviewed. It was a down year, um, yeah. for hip hop in terms of, you know, just choices for what album of the year would be at the Grammys. And as much yeah. as I love it, um, a lot of critics really didn't like it. They only liked it marginally better than camp, which got absolutely shit on when it came out. And, you know, for reasons, <laughs> some were fair and some weren't, but yeah. you know, that was an album that was not, uh, not received well. Awaken My Love was received a little bit better. Um, and I think that it would have been, it, it would have gotten even higher scores had it not been such a stark shift from kind of the, the rap music that he'd been doing. This is like, a, it's a completely different animal. And I think it um, caught people off guard in such a way that it, it took a while. Cause now you look back and songs like Redbone um, are, are just like fantastic. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of, a, a lot to love about that album, but still it wasn't like, you know, in that upper echelon of kind of being a critical darling. If you go to Metacritic, 31520 is now uh, Childish Gambino's best reviewed album from a critical mm. standpoint. Mm. However, it also has the lowest user score. And that to mm. me, like, says kind of everything that you need to know about it, right? Yep. And, yep. And, and the parallel I'm drawing here is, um, you know, last year uh, with the 1975. So the the parallel I'm drawing here is at the end of 2018, the 1975 uh, put out their album, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships, which was immediately uh, very on point for kind of the how we were experiencing the world at the time. Yeah. And it yeah. was, you know, extremely well reviewed, um, was lauded on all of the, the end of the year lists. Um, it's my least favorite 1975 album even though it might be their best and i could argue it it's huh. so dense and heavy and just it, it's it's hard to get through like i don't enjoy it when i listen to it which is kind of what i want from the 1975 <laughs> that's that is how i feel to me that's how i feel about this album though i feel like it's it's so focused on what it's trying to do that even though it comes out like as an actual like actual good art it's just too heavy for me to like want to deal with it like on a repeated basis. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I I'm still stuck on the fact that you can't enjoy that 1975 album. Um that's I mean, like the not, only... it's not that there's not songs on it, but yeah. if I sit down with that album, I have to sit with it. And yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. a fun album to experience, which yeah. is fine. But it's interesting, it's just... though. It's interesting to compare and contrast those two albums because that album was such a sincere uh, experience, right? Like it, it it wears its heart on its sleeve. It invites people in. Uh, the the if you think of like the two time video, to me that's the album. It's like we love you, and we want you to know that we're one of you and. Here's an here's a gift of art. With Gambino, it's almost the polar opposite. Um, with this album, it's like it's like good luck figuring out what's inside my head. And when you do, uh, you're just gonna be bummed out. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I see where you're where you're going there. If the two time video existed in a vacuum, I, I could get on board with it, but it it doesn't. Sure. It exists in the context of that that album and everything else that comes with it. So I I do understand it though, um, and it's a little bit easier to read Matt Healy on a brief inquiry than it is to to read Donald Glover here for sure. There's there's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and here here I've been you know kind of going pretty hard on, on this album. Look, there's some good songs on here and. Mm -hmm. Um, it's brilliantly p produced. I mean, it's just another, it, it's not phoned in. I don't think, um, you know, I, I really enjoy algorithm. I feel like it sets the tone for the album. Um, it's got some really, there, there's some cool guest appearances on this album. Mm. Um, and, and I think like even for a song towards the end, as dark as 47, 48, um, that's just so focused on like grim imagery of, of like violence there's like a really beautiful moment with him and his son talking about what it means to to love and and love yourself like there's there's moments of like real uh, really good stuff here so um there's definitely something to like i mean have have there been songs read... or oh go ahead so, how do you read those th those moments like do you read them as genuine and sincere or something else I mean, it's hard for me to listen to a parent talk to their child and not feel like it's insincere or feel like it's insincere. I mean, I. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it it's does... just. It's like, why would you put. Like, why on this album? Why would that name? <laughs> why name it a number? Like, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what. What yeah. is happening in this album? And, and to I almost me... feel like there's moments where he has to like press the release valve a little bit to let out some of the pressure because <laughs> like otherwise it's almost so um so suffocating that you wouldn't be able to get through it so there's like these these moments where you can see past that or at least that's how i'm trying to take it i guess so what do you read like the main theme of the album as being like fundamentally well, I don't know. I, I wish I had yeah. like some great answer to that. And that's really the reason I didn't write a review for this because I thought it would be easier to kind of like talk it out and then yeah. finding out that I'm not doing a very good job of that either. So I don't, I don't think I have a, a good take on it other than I really like what you were um, pulling out early on of just kind of the, and not to steal from the, the, the song title, but just kind of the, the algorithm involved in, in creating something and what it means to like, press the buttons and create the binary code that um, creates something that people enjoy or whatever. Right. I think that's, that's at least something that we can see. Like that's, I, I think we're probably not seeing the forest for the trees when we do that, but it's, it's something there that we can cling on to. Um, yeah. That's about as close I, as I can get though. I think that theme is what sort of throws the father son conversation under the bus for me because now you're now you're in a situation where you're almost oh, retroactively like <laughs> undermining any any statement he's made about his father, his father, his relationship to his father and how it inspired Awaken My Love. And now you've got this song where you're going to love this song because it's got a father and a son. And how can you not like that? Algorithmically, yeah. you're going to love this song. It's a safe bet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like yeah. that kind of a thing to me. And I think that's clever i don't i don't see beauty or really all that much truth in it either you know um yeah so it's a struggle for me like and and i think the fact that we're struggling to even talk about this is uh just as much the album's fault 
as it is ours if like <laughs> in a way because uh well obviously because it just doesn't it doesn't give you a lot to hold on to but i do think yeah. i mean there are interesting things about it and i think probably the most bracing and probably best part of the album is is the moment where you you hear the breathing noises and you hear like there's a shift happening and it, get, it suddenly does get sort of more human and more ugly and mm-hmm. i and i think that's really interesting right like the fact that essentially the back i mean i think everyone would agree tell me if you disagree with this but to me like the back half of that album is by far the most interesting um it, it sort of okay. gets yeah it sort of starts going all over the place you know because it starts with this weird warlord i think it's called warlord at least in the secondary title or whatever the secret title is called warlord and <laughs> the secret <title. laughs> the one on the stream is called warlord and then uh and then you get to this like weird country jam which i just freaking love like that is a good that's a really yeah. enjoyable song yeah it's but fun. feels so like um old time roadie you know like it feels like yeah. almost like it's mocking old time road um mm. And and you like at, at the end of the album, I'm just like all of these songs are so disparate. The whole album is so different. It it launches with this idea of the algorithm, and I'm like, what could this possibly be other than here are all the songs in pop music that you like. Um, why do you like them? Right. I, I guess it's asking that question. Like if art, if good art asks questions. And let's uh, be charitable and assume this is a good piece of art. Maybe that's the question he's asking. Like, why Why do I, white guy in the Midwest, prefer that weird country jam over all of the other songs on the track? Um, yeah. You know, and why do I gravitate to the father-son conversation? So that's, yeah. I mean, if if we're being nice to it, I think we should. <laughs> I think we should take some time to be kind to it. So I apologize for slamming it all this time it's just it's more like a taste thing i think because i I don't necessarily want a sardonic pop hit right now and i'm sure we'll talk about covid in a minute and how that affects our taste but like um i do think it's really effective at at forcing you to question your enjoyment of it you know as an album yeah I and again, this is exactly why I, I wanted to have you on to discuss this because you you always have a knack for um, being able to tap into to some of those things, and I I really like where you're where you're going there, and mm. I, so it does tee up my my next point. If we're going to sit down and start to kind of break this album into parts and look at sections and songs individually, it gets a lot easier to talk about, and. The reason and, and the, the parallel this draws in my mind is um, if, if you remember when The Life of Pablo came out um, back when we still um, cared about Kanye, um, <laughs> it was the it was the first time that it there wasn't a Kanye album that kind of held its own corner of sort of this varied experience that he was constructing in terms of the different genres he was trying and, and different uh, risks he was taking as an artist. It was like, okay, we've kind of heard versions of this before. And the best way that we were able to describe it when we did a podcast on it is that um, it's, it's closest relative in the Kanye discography is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, but you would never 
equate those two albums because right. one of them is like really well constructed as an overall narrative while the life of Pablo feels like what happens when that same artist is just going too far with it and can't stop himself. That's, that's what this album, if, if we say because the internet is, you know, Donald Glover's twisted fantasy, then this is his life of Pablo. In my opinion, it's, it's an album that you can sit down with and take apart and, enjoy different aspects of different songs but when you put it together as a whole for what it's trying to be it gets way harder to wrap your arms around and and really enjoy um i don't know if that resonates with you at all but that's kind of where i've how i've been feeling about it yeah absolutely absolutely and all the way down to like it doesn't even feel finished you know <laughs> yeah exactly pablo literally wasn't finished but this one this one feels uh like uh quick just throw we need one more song. Throw the summer thing in there. Um, right. That's a that's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, I I know that he's intentional with this stuff, even all the way down to the only giving two songs actual titles. And so, I mean, I know there's a rhyme and a reason to this. At least I I have to believe it is because of what I know um, of what he's done in the past as an artist. But man, it's just so hard to so hard to really um get into for me and that brings me to kind of the next section of this conversation which is you know how we're experiencing music and in the midst of this pandemic and quarantine and self-isolation um and it's this has been a recurring conversation on this show and i i at first i thought you and i might have a similar thought here and now i'm thinking yeah. we might take two completely different sides so i'm i'm will be interested to to hear what you think I'm interested in how I would think about this album had it not come out now. And the reason that I say that is because um, a week after this album came out, Dua Lipa's uh, new album, Future Nostalgia, came out. And of course, we just did a whole podcast on that and how much we loved it. And I think it's a great album. One of the reasons it's so amazing to me right now is because it is such an escape for me. It is It is just unabashed disco pop fun and pleasure and the place that I'm in mentally right now, like what I need is something that allows me to like disconnect from everything that's making my brain hurt and all of the things that are making me sad and just have a moment where I can dive into something and not have to process through any of that. And that's exactly um, what Dua Lipa's new album ha has done for me. This album is not something I can just put on in the background and have it playing while I'm, you know, getting my mind off stuff. I, this is an album that forces you to, like, really think and sit with it. And the outcome of that isn't necessarily a happy one, which is fine. But, man, I feel like if this came out at a time where I and so many other people weren't in the place that we're in, I wonder what that experience would be like. Um, do you feel like whether this album works or not is impacted at all by the the period in which we're receiving it yeah it has to be i i think for me i i don't really know it may be that i don't know myself well enough to be able to really isolate exactly how it changed my perception of this album other than when it was released and especially in the manner that it was released it made me wonder if it was rushed uh in order to address this or in order to 
bypass the worst of it or something like it I, I it sort of like made me speculate a lot i also would say sort of in a way like i, I really resonate with you i uh i loved dua lipa's album i am constantly listening to like fun pop on the other hand i'm also a person who likes to sort of um i heard someone say this on a podcast i wish i remembered which one but i just thought it was brilliant in terms of cultural consumption and the way they interact with uh things like this steer into the skid a little bit so Hmm. when something terrible is happening in my life i need to consume culture that helps me feel like other people are also experiencing that and so yeah I I don't mind dark. In fact, I I have a playlist that my at my workplace we've all sort of contributed to called Quarantine, um, and it's just like it's songs like um like uh uh like uh Where Does the Good Go by Tegan and Sarah, and It's Spread by the Avett Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Um, but like like almost like brutally darkly ironic uh music in light of this and that is sort of like where i am most of the time like i want to hear stuff that feels newly relevant in light of this right the last thing i really want out of my my art is to is is escape that's not true i mean sometimes i want that but most of the time i think i want to sort of dig in a little bit and sort of yeah. understand what's going on here. And so, but I think my problem with this album is it, it feels a little bit irrelevant. Uh, it's, it's about, if I'm reading it right, it's about art and, uh, and, and why we like certain kinds of art. And um, I guess we're talking about the subject right now. So that's relatively interesting, but it, it's not like on the forefront of my mind compared to things like human connection <laughs> and, uh, and loneliness and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And so one thing I want to be clear about here, because I would never want anybody that, you know, listens to our show or comes to our website to ever hear me telling people not to like lean in to their feelings and, you know, process through the stuff that they're going through. Um, Because the opposite of that, and frankly, I I probably need to cry more (laughs) than I have over the past month. You know what I mean? I've probably been leaning into distraction too much. Um, I think where I was going with this specifically, like, yes, Dua Lipa's album is an escape for me. And it felt like a sigh of relief when I needed it. Um, Now that doesn't mean that I don't need things that make me, think about some other stuff but what i don't want for sure is like a chore um because i feel like my brain is like working more yeah on a hundred things over this past month than i can really remember so what i don't want to have to do is like have to sit like put a jigsaw puzzle together and for some people that's like a totally like calming thing and and maybe even when that comes in the form of music that's really helpful my personality it's not and and that's what this album felt like for me and i was just like i can't i can't do this Mm -hmm. like over and over again uh through the rest of the summer so i think that's kind of where i i landed with it not to say that i i don't want to experience music that has a darkness to it or that does help me process through like the the hard parts of what it is that we're we're all going through right now so it's it's 
it yeah. may be that you're being a little more self-aware than I am because I, I got, I got frustrated at the album, Kyle. Like I was listening to it maybe the third or fourth time for this podcast. And I, I got annoyed and, and I got annoyed in consciously at what I thought maybe the album was doing, but I think subconsciously I was just annoyed that it was made me feel kind of dumb. You know what I mean? It was making me like have to work a little bit. And I was being, I think I was feeling impatient and frustrated in that moment. Like, yeah. So yeah, that resonates with me. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I'd mentioned, I'd kind of been going back through his discography over the past uh, month or two. And I found myself really enjoying camp, you know, even with all of its like dick jokes and misogyny, there were actual moments that made me laugh or made me smile. And there were, it was like, oh, this is, this is kind of nice right now. And so, and I, I will never argue camp as being a better album than this three fifteen twenty, Um, but certainly it was impacting me in a different way than you know it would have at a different time so that's and i feel like that's why we keep coming back to that conversation on this podcast because i the way that we what we're looking for in art right now and what we're taking away from art um feels so much different and it almost feels like the stakes are raised in certain ways at least for me it does yeah um and that that causes me to be a little bit more intentional with um i think what i'm investing my my time and my brain in so it's just a weird weird time Stakes or raise is a good point. Like art matters, I think probably more than usual right now. And, yeah. uh, and so we don't like, I don't think none of I don't think any of us want to be sucker punched by something that's doing something surprising, um, that, that we might not like, or that might not be good for us, you know? Yeah. And, and that's definitely, I mean, I don't know if that's the case here, but there's an uneasy feeling you get when you're like in this moment, when you're sort of picking apart an album like this. Right. Well, we certainly ended up being more negative on this than I was expecting, but I think that's okay. (laughs) I, I I really do want people to know that like Donald Glover is probably my favorite person that is making art of any form right now and has been for the past several years. I I love him to death. And I, I do, I do think this is, not it's not a trash album i mean there's a lot there um it was just the timing is weird the uh rollout was weird and the it's feels mysterious in ways that i wish that it wasn't but all that to say um you know it was a few years ago at a festival performance i don't remember if it was coachella or, or what where he said that there was just one more childish gambino album um if if this is it you know that's a bummer <laughs> i i do hope that we get more music from him um but you know it'll be be interesting to see see what happens from here. Well, thank you as always for coming on the show. Um, always appreciate your insights, and um, as I, I think I've said every time we've had you on the show, I mean certainly um, these types of conversations, at least for me, exist because of uh, our friendship and um, the the ways that you've helped me think about this stuff. So you certainly Thanks, did that once again today. I love this podcast. It's really good. I listen to it all the time. Every you time are a sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of It's All Dead. Uh, if you like this show, um, subscribe to it or follow it on your favorite podcast app or platform. And, of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear what you think about uh, our show. Um, come to itsalldead.com. We are cranking out more content right now than we have and I don't know, probably at least a year, if not more. Um, so, 
come enjoy it if if you want. We're having a good time and um, really trying to uh, um, lean into to art that is bringing us hope uh, right now. And uh, we hope that um, it's it's doing the same for you. So that's going to do it. Uh, I'm Kyle Hawk, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.